If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Let me tell you a little bit about Bet Online. It remains your number one spot for NBA, MLB, MMA, boxing. It doesn't matter. Every single prop, every single play, every single point, it's all at Bet Online. When it comes to bets, when it comes to props, everything that you need is at your headquarters for sports betting. That's Bet Online. Head to the website right now, use your mobile device, sign up, get a 50, that's 50% welcome bonus. Don't forget to use the promo code BLEAV, that's believe, to get yourself a 50% welcome bonus. Come on, there's no need to hesitate. Bet online where the game starts. I understand it's not something comfortable to talk about, like your sexual function or your sexual performance, but don't sell yourself short. It is important. But you know what else is kind of important? Not being totally embarrassed by going to a pharmacy or having to deal with a doctor when you're talking about prescriptions when, with some of these drugs to help you perform up to snuff in the bedroom. That's where Blue Chew comes in, okay? It is the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis at a fraction of the price. And the best part is, is you don't have to deal with anybody. It comes right to your door. You're never ever gonna be as happy as you are now to see the postman coming when you know that the package for your package is right there, all thanks to Blue Chew. Do yourself a favor, head to bluechew.com, use the promo code LIKES, get your first month for free and see what I'm talking about because you deserve to have the best sex of your life. And thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring this podcast. I hope you're ready to have your mind blown with the greatest health and fitness information on the planet. <laughs> yes, bitch! Welcome to the Mikey Likes You podcast. I am Mikey who likes, you are you who is liked. An amazing system. Free, cut and dry. Uh, today's guest... I know I don't have guests often, but I'm really excited about it. As you can see, this amazing new studio. I have to thank Kevin and Giorgio here because this is uh, this is really fantastic. And it makes me feel like a, an actual professional for once. But uh, today's guest is worth all of this because he is one of the most sought after, well-respected bodybuilding prep coaches and a very experienced bodybuilder and powerlifter himself. A man who has degrees in stuff that I did not even know existed. And that is one of the first things that I want to dive into. He is Justin Harris. 
How are you, man? Good. I'm great. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Also, uh, one of the founders of First Detachment, in my opinion, the greatest health and fitness supplements on the market. And I, I mean that. I'm not just blowing smoke. Thank you very much. Um, and I, I have to I have to ask, like right out of the gate, what what is atomic physics? <laughs> well, it's physics. My, it's uh, my research. I'll just say what it was. If I can, it's uh, we would do electron capture. So we would take an ionized par- particle like argon and strip electrons from it. So it's you know ionized, and then we put in a particle accelerator, and you you uh, accelerate it towards an atomic or molecular target. And so that's where atomic comes from. Yeah. Just you're doing things on the atomic scale, not the nuclear scale, which would be inside the nucleus. And so that they collide. They don't really collide. You know, electromagnetic forces prevent them from colliding, but it's just the same forces that make us feel like we're sitting on the chair. And they they as they pass through, they collect an electron or collect two electrons, and there's a change in energy, and there's a Q value. And, uh, and that matters because in quantum mechanics, what quantum mechanics mean or quantum physics means is that things are quantized. You know, like you, you or I can have any amount of energy. We can be any amount tall. We can weigh any amount of weight. You know, it's all continuous scale. When they find when you go small enough, that doesn't happen anymore. Like an electron can't have any energy. It can have certain quantized energy states. And so we would, we would, you know, accelerate, they would reach some energy state, there'd be an excess of uh, Q value, excess energy, and we'd measure that. Really, I mean, it sounds way cooler than it is. It's really just like another cog in the wheel of trying to, you know, get a better understanding of what goes on at the atomic at, level. At the atomic level. Yeah. It's, being that you have that background, and also uh, an extensive knowledge in kinesiology, is it frustrating to listen to people especially now with like social media and YouTube and things when they're giving advice, bro science based advice. And, and you're just probably sitting there going like, you don't even know what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not like frustrating, like mad mad at them. Cause I, I, I think when I went back, because I did physics later in life, I went back, uh, and part of the reason I did that is because of that, because I just got so tired of my whole, like, income, my job, everything being dependent on people, you know, like, what I said on the internet, mm-hmm. where, you know, back then it was the forum, so it was worse. I mean, it, it was better and worse, but it was worse in the fact that you were actually talking to people. Now with social media, you're just kind of talking to the ether. It's a shotgun effect. Yeah, yeah, there's not as much, like, back and forth, where with forums, you were, like, basically giving a lecture and all the people then they're commenting on it and you're replying to it and you know someone would argue something and you would state a fact <laughs> they're, they're like an irrefutable fact it's like not up for debate it's you know two plus two is four and someone else would come in with all caps and say two plus two is five and they would just they would argue they were willing to argue longer and harder than you were and the, the people reading aren't experts so they don't know who is right and so they're just going to end up thinking whoever was writing in the all caps the longest right is the, and so i thought i went back to physics because i wanted something that was just more truly concrete you know black and white you either have the correct answer if you're a theorist you you, know, you theorize something mathematically and if it's ver- uh, validated by exper- experiment it's true if it's not that's not true S- simple you know whatever your theory is no matter how beautiful it is or how mathematically elegant it is if it's not verified by experiment it's wrong boom dead out out the door you know we we live in a physical world if we can't replicate it with a physical experiment then it can't be true uh and so and then what's even cooler is the math has never been wrong right if you if you get the math right it's always right as if our world was written in the programming language of mathematics uh but uh so it's i mean it, it it's less like like frustrating now it's more like uh you know like i wish i could like get all this information into people's heads because 
and I think the one thing that like physics really taught me was I realized how many things I was saying and I didn't know why I said it because I heard someone else say it or, sure. you know, but it wasn't my, it wasn't my statement. It wasn't my knowledge and it might not have even been theirs. And it, it probably wasn't even right. Well, certainly in the bodybuilding world, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, performance sports tend to be a little different, mm -hmm. you know, oh, where, yeah. where, where people will really constantly look for that verifiable mm -hmm. stuff. But bodybuilding, a lot of times it is just kind of handed down from your, your forefathers, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of forced to be that way almost because it's so far on the cutting edge of, yeah. you know, it, that whatever the current research is in kinesiology or weight training, it's just it's just slow developing, you know, because we, we you know, say so you want to know, oh, sarcoplasmic growth. There used to be just assumed to be myofibrillar growth, which was right. the actual protein structures. That's the, you know, increased protein structures on the muscle. That's how it grows. And, and then bodybuilders would argue that there's more going on because, look, we do all this pump training and we're, you know, we're not as strong. We can't have as much myofibrillar, you know, hypertrophy as these power lifters, but we look so much more muscular. Why are our muscles so round? Why is that not with theirs? And we'd call it sarcoplasmic growth, which would be like all the non-contractile tissue inside a muscle, which is actually quite a bit because, you know, like if you took a, you know, if you took a pound of steak, that's a muscle tissue, you know, sure. that's a hydrated muscle tissue. If you dehydrate it down to beef jerky and get rid of all the non-contractile tissue, that's what, that's the myofibular portion is that tiny little beef jerky. So most of your muscle is not muscle. You right. Know? And so even, even just look, even just cooking it, take yeah. right now, take uh, a pound of, of sirloin and, and weigh it. Mm -hmm. And then you measure it after you cook it. I mean, it's going to be yeah. seven ounces, yeah. eight ounces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how do you, so what was that? Was that not muscle? Because, you know, this sirloin is muscle tissue of a cow. Right. So what did you bake off? You know, and it, so it's the, we'd argue the sarcoplastic is all the, you know, like the water, the uh, glycogen, blood vessels, capillaries, uh, arteries, arterioles, things like that. And, and all that takes up space in the muscle. And, and we'd argue that certain training styles will increase that, increase the amount of muscle you hold or, or water you hold in the muscle, increase the amount of glycogen you hold in the muscle, increase the blood vessel, you know, size, how, how much the the microvasculature is dilated. And uh, it wasn't, a, even in 2015, I was doing a seminar in Detroit, Michigan, and we were still arguing whether that was a thing or not. Right. And now, you know, it's, you go on Wikipedia, it's all just stated as fact now. So like, you know, we're always learning new things, but the, the bodybuilders knew that 60 years ago. You know, Arnold was training, you know, for, for the pump. Right. It took science 60 years to before they can. And it's not like science is slow. It's it's like science is precise. If I want to know how, you know, like you, you, uh, like a, a research would be like on, say, on your quadricep, on the, you know, rectus femoris. You bring people in, you have them do leg extensions under some set criteria. Well, building muscle is a slow process. You know, if you if you if you can add even one gram of muscle tissue per hour, you know, you think you eat, you know, 50 grams of protein in a meal or if you only grab one 24 grams, 25 grams across the whole day, you're gaining like 50 pounds of muscle a year. Yeah. So we're gaining which like, is Mr. Olympia level. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even they don't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even they're only gaining like 15 a year. You know, they just do it for a lot. of years. So so the, you have to do to really see the appreciable changes in hypertrophy or strength gains. You need to follow you had to follow research subjects for months and months and months. Well, you can't lock people in a room for a year right. and a half. So you're trusting on them to self-report data. And so, it's, you know, it's a hard. And then all that's done to get like one precise bit of information, like, you know, in this double blind uh, controlled test with leg extensions, those participants who did three sets of 12 were 12 was rated of perceived exertion of nine and all three sets. 
you know, increase their quadricep muscular density 1% over the subjects did, blah, 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 blah. Three by eight. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, you know, but that's how the, but that's scientific information because it has to be, you know, like, like what it's, it's much easier to just guess at what, what works, you know, and kind of get somewhere in the periphery of what's working, you know, like maybe this is exactly what we need, whatever it is, you know, like this type of training, this type of food, but you know, like, if, you know, it kind of blends out. So if you're somewhere in that area, like what bodybuilders would do, like they notice when I do more reps, I do more sets, I get a pump. My body seems to look bigger and grow faster than when I don't get a pump and I don't do. And so they, they might not nail it, but they kind of see how that's going. Right. And it just takes the science, you know, decades to be. For me, as a, as an absolute layperson, I mean, I barely graduated high school. Um, and certainly with like the STEM stuff was, I mean, it seemed like a foreign language. But where I got, you know, where I became familiar with guys like you in the forums in 2002, mm-hmm. 2003, was that I at least gained enough knowledge to know when something presented as science is not science. Uh-huh. And that's, I, I think, for me, as someone who could be looked at as, I guess, a voice of fitness and, and, and bodybuilding in, in the on the Internet, I see so many people who are just they they sincerely want to make a change in their body and they're looking at all these studies all day long. Right. <laughs> right. And I and they'll present it to me and I go, well, that's not even a real study. You yeah. understand that, right? Like yeah. that that that's meaningless. That's what the, this that's, you nailed it. Cause that that's the biggest problem with the fitness industry is that it's really not that complex, but really brilliant people go into you know, like mathematics and physics. They don't go into kinesiology. So there's like if there isn't like a huge, I don't know the, the word research technical push, it's people who, you know, like want to be a gym teacher, uh, you know, and nothing sure. wrong because I did the same thing being an exercise physiologist. I thought, Hey, that'd be an easy job. I just watch people exercise all day. That's awesome. You know, and as an, as a, you it's know, what you love as an 18 year old kid, I thought, hey, yeah. you know, like, you don't you don't know how the world works. So you think uh, I get to wear sweatpants to work every day. This is gonna be great. <laughs> but, uh, there, there's the, the problem that it's complex enough and the like, I guess like the answers or the correct way of doing things are so specific. Like what's correct for these circumstances isn't correct for every circumstance. So it just kind of lends itself to charlatans, you know, like the things like, uh, you know, starvation mode, which isn't a thing, or, uh, you know, you're not eating enough to lose weight, which is the exact opposite, which, and that's, plain and simple because that's thermodynamics that's the that's the law of conservation of energy energy can't be created or destroyed and if you if you look at our because we're just like any other thermodynamic system we're the same as a car really a car we intake energy as gasoline we store that energy and we use that energy up until it's gone and if it's gone we we can't create more and like we have to put more gas in we can't just create out of thin air our bodies are the same thing. We eat food as energy. That's like our gasoline. The only difference is we store it three different ways. We store it as muscle tissue, protein. We store it as uh, carbohydrates, as glycogen in the muscle and the liver. And we store it as fat, body fat, which we can store almost unlimited amount. And so you can imagine if your car were, you know, you had to fill up every day, you know, you picked a certain amount of gas and any excess gas ended up getting stored somewhere in the body. Yeah. In the trunk. Is. <laughs> yeah. That, that's all we are. And so you can imagine like what you're saying by like, you're not eating enough means like the, you know, the reason you are getting thousand, the reason you never run out of gas is because you're not putting gas in the car. Right. That, it's like the complete opposite. And so there's just so many like, you know, myths that like, uh, like keto, you know, like people say, well, you're burning fat. It's great. Cause you're, you know, it makes your body burn fat. You're storing more too. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're eating fat. Yeah. You still only burn fat from your body. If you eat less calories than you burn off sure. period. 
And all that stuff is, you know, it's kind of irrefutable when you start getting into looking at things that are at a genuinely sophisticated scientific level. But at the same time, when you can take that information and then be, you know, a, a conduit to people who aren't really concerned with understanding it on a bigger mm -hmm. level, because that's a perfect example, you know, keto. Well, you're burning more fat. You are, but you're also storing more fat. Yep. Uh, like a pretty considerable amount yeah, right? Yeah. from someone who's eating a low fat diet. But at the same time, if over a six week span doing keto makes you eat less. Yep. And that's, let's yeah. go for it. Yeah. And know? that's, and that's like, that's where it gets murky because most of these think that's why it works. It's not, right. it doesn't work because it's like you're fat optimized or whatever they yeah. try to say. It works because fat slow digestion. They stick with you longer. They make you feel full longer. And most people and the food variety gets so limited. You know, it sounds great. Like I can eat bacon and, and steak all day. And that is great for a day or two. But by week six, where all you've eaten is meat and eggs, you're not so, I mean, steak's still good. You know, it's like yeah. the joke if I tell you about the worst steak I ever had. It was amazing. It's better than any asparagus <laughs> yeah, I've ever yeah. had. Yeah. So, but it's still like, you, you know, so you're not as hungry. So you just eat less and that's it. Yeah. But that doesn't sell. Yeah. It's much better to create like, you know, Atkins or keto or, and add words to it and, and talk about being fat optimized or you know what, what you know whatever you want and and you know one of the things i, I really like about you and, and why it's so interesting for a guy like me to pick your brain is because you have a, a wealth of understanding for preparing to step on stage and look mm -hmm. a certain way which is so difficult to do it and to do it well but also you have a pretty high level of understanding for performance mm -hmm. and one of the things that i see that that upsets me um in my world is that I have a lot of friends that are MMA fighters, grapplers, boxers, um, college athletes. And then I have a lot of friends from, from the physique sports. Mm -hmm. And when I see a guy who's rolling jujitsu six times a week for two hours at a time, going to a high fat, low carbohydrate diet. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, I know it's easier for you to lose weight, but you, you're not training very yeah. hard for one reason and one reason alone. Yeah, exactly. And that that's perfect. That's like, that's another, you nailed it there because it's two completely different um, ways of eating, eating for performance versus eating for appearance. Mm -hmm. It's completely different. You know, like what he's doing is eating for appearance, basically losing weight, but that is not optimized for performance at all. And there are ways to optimize a diet for performance that also changes your appearance good, but they're not like, they're not mutually identical, you know? Right. And I kind of, one example I've used for that would be like, uh, cause people, bodybuilders don't, a lot of people, especially younger guys don't want to believe that cause they want to believe how big how big the, of muscles they are have is related to how hard they train right it is you know loosely but it's really much more closely related to the diet and going back to mma or, or, or boxing i'd say look at tyson fury or daniel cormier you know the two two of the baddest men on the planets neither of them look like a bodybuilder you and know? sometimes and and most of the time uh the guys who step in a ring or an octagon who do look like bodybuilders are not well known for their conditioning. Yeah, you know? because muscle muscle sucks oxygen. Yeah, I mean, every, yeah, every that's you know every muscular contraction that's part of the process. You're you know you're you're sucking oxygen out of the body, and so that's what you get lactate buildup. So you need the right you need as strong and explosive of muscles as possible to get the job done for whatever you're, you know, like if you're doing MMA or wrestling, you know, it, it, different sports are different, but you need your muscles to be optimized as much as possible for what that sport needs as far as strength and explosiveness, speed, endurance. 
without any additional useless muscle mass. Right. Which is actually the amount for that is quite low because you, I mean, you could see like some really, really strong power lifters in the 198 pound class or 181 class who aren't especially muscular, right. but they've learned, you know, they get like it's from leverages and they, they have maximized the strength of the muscle they do have. And that's what you want much more than big muscles. And when you're looking at developing musculature, um, you know, let's say any young man, I think that that's going to be paramount. Mm-hmm. It's like if why spend time in the gym unless you're going to have yeah. that appearance, you know, and it changes the way you feel about yourself. And it is beautiful. I'm not trying to minimize that. It's certainly the reason I train hard at yeah. age 44. And it's the same reason I trained hard at, at 19. But there there is that very hard middle ground. And certainly for a guy like me with my level of understanding, it's very hard for me to explain to people that like we were talking about the sarcoplasmic growth and like training like Arnold is probably a really good idea if you want to be a mass monster. Mm-hmm. But there has to be some level of a, that kind of like myofibril training, right? I mean, yeah. I guys like you tend to always be these world class. You look at Ronnie Coleman, you look at Arnold Schwarzenegger, you look at Dorian Yates before they got into training. Mm-hmm. However, their training became when they were stepping on Mr. Olympia. They spent time powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Well, Ronnie probably did it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And Ronnie is a perfect across the board for bodybuilding. And I'll, I'll try to cover all of them if I can quickly. But yeah, he started with powerlifting. So he wasn't necessarily focused on optimizing the rate of muscle growth, but he was in, in, increasing his strength dramatically. So then when he switched to bodybuilding, he was very strong and able to move very heavy weights in a bodybuilding rep range, in a bodybuilding tempo, at a bodybuilding rep pace, in a bodybuilding volume. Where And that's what dramatically accelerated the muscle mass. You know, having that strength allowed him to be an even better bodybuilder when he wasn't training for strength. And then in other things, like there's the kind of the dumb meathead stereotype. Mm-hmm. And that's a reason because the only people who succeed as a bodybuilder are you, you ha- almost have to be dumb. And I'll say why, because the worst thing you can do is, you know, overthink things. And so the, you want the minimum amount of knowledge to get the the, the maximum amount of results, uh, which for Ronnie was he met Brian Dobson. Brian gave him a workout plan. He met, he, he did the same workout for 25 years. For 25 years, years yeah. Because yeah. yeah. he didn't, yeah, this is what works, you know, and then he met. And he did the same cycle. You know, he met, uh, he was training and competing natural yeah. and finishing fourth. Yeah. And he said, flex, what do I do? And he flexed and take these drugs. He's like, okay. Yeah. And he did that for yeah. 25 yeah. And it doesn't, so this what works. I don't, yeah. don't overthink it. Yeah. And that's the worst thing. Cause that's why, I mean, that's what killed me as a bodybuilder. Cause I'd always be overthinking, you know, it's like, but that, that's, that's it. You know, so he. You couldn't, you couldn't like genetically design a better bodybuilder, get someone freakish with great genetics, obviously building muscle, make him really, really strong before he tries to put those genetics to use. Yeah. And then when he tries to put those genetics to use, he's already really strong. He meets someone who gives him a free, you know, a free uh, gym membership, gives him a workout. And then he meets the best bodybuilding nutritionist in the world. It's like, boom, you know, and then he, and then Flex Wheeler tells him the, the, the behind the scenes secrets. You were saying, you know, don't overthink things. And I, I couldn't hammer that home more. I say that to my clients. I say that to my friends. If they already ask me, you know, like, like really train, train and, and close to failure mm-hmm. and do it consistently. You know, get your recovery and eat well. Really, yeah. it's all about diet. But at the same time, do you think that your, your penchant for overthinking things is what made you a great coach oh for sure yeah and that's in like the old saying like those who can do and those who can't teach yeah coach yeah yeah i mean well partly for me i like getting big or adding size was never difficult for me my family's all very big uh i was going to be 
that when I went back to grad school, I didn't work out for, I don't know, like five years. I don't think I ever went below 240 pounds. I'm just no, like, fuck off. <laughs> it wasn't a pretty, see that's, but that's, I don't care. My dad's five, seven. My mom's four ten, <laughs> And I was like little teeny bones. I told, I told this story before I got a really bad grade in like third grade. We were learning about normals or averages or something. And I, I, I said the, the average man was six foot two fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know anyone who was smaller than that. And yeah. so I'm like, like my dad, my uncle, my other uncle, my older cousins. I'm like, they're all, yeah, between 250 and 300. And they're all like a little six foot six, two, this six. And I know they're big. So I'll down, drop it a little bit. I was like off by a hundred pounds. And it goes in the opposite direction though. That man, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because to you at, at 25 years old, your point of reference was that the average man is 6'5", 240. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm having a lot of problem trying to deal with people, particularly young men, um, when either I'm working with them or uh, I'm just hanging out with them and talking with them. And because their point of reference so often today in 2023 is 30% body fat, yeah. they think they're lean yeah. in, in the same, it goes in both directions because I at 44 feel fat. And you and I talked about yeah. when we sat down, you're like, I'm no, puffy from, yeah. And I it's get, like, yeah. Dude, Every time you? I travel, that's yeah. Cause I, I eat like air, something at the airport. I got PF Chang's last night and I yeah. sure sure thing. I woke up this morning, my rings tight, my face is swollen. I was like, oh. But for you and I, because we're, we're surrounded by shredded people. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. We feel, you know, and, and I think it goes in both directions and it's like, how do you how do you make heads or tails of that point of reference when you're guiding someone in either way? Because I'm sure there's probably a lot of physique athletes and, and bodybuilders you work with who are seven percent and they're really neurotic because they're not five. Yeah. And I'm sure you work with people who are twenty five percent who think like I'll see my abs by summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a kind of a like a dual effect. One is that it's hard to change. And so if you're like a permabulker. And that's what you're known for, for when you wear a t-shirt, the sleeves are tight on your arms. Uh, you know, that's like your thing, you know, you feel big, you've been trying to get big, you've been lifting heavy weights, you've been eating a lot. And so you put all this effort into being big, you know, and when you're in a t-shirt in the gym, you do look big at the beach, you've got, you know, and you're 18% body fat, you don't look big anymore. You look like, you know, you look like, a, you you like train, yeah, yeah. And so you, you, and you don't want that. You want to go to be able to go to the beach and have abs and be like, oh, that dude shredded. But to do that, you have to completely change everything about you. You're no longer the big guy at the gym. Every for for four months, everyone at the gym is going to be asking, "Dude, are you sick? What happened to you? Oh, you used to be so big, you know." And so that's really hard. So you don't you don't want to change that. And then like the skinny guys are the opposite. They like, have abs. That's what they're known for, you know. Like they they're at a party and meet, you know, like look at that, you know, yeah. like show their abs. They go to the beach and everyone's looking at me. I got abs. I want to be big, you know, and I want to look big in a shirt also. But to do that, I have to lose my abs. And so those like. It's really hard to, uh, I think I forgot the point of the question because I had Just a like, second Like topic. changing people's point of reference. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, Cause I see it look with Hollywood a lot. Um, having been behind the curtain with people who are training, literally like the best uh, physiques for the screen that mm-hmm. we've seen sometimes, you know, and, and people get this sent besides maybe the rock, you know, people have this idea when they see them on screen, like that guy is, 250 pounds mm-hmm. and you're like oh no no he's 150 yeah, yeah, pounds he yeah. just looks amazing you yeah know? and that's the other weird thing that's uh so hard to because it's all an illusion you know it's it, the the whole sport in general is just kind of like counterintuitive because what builds muscle is not necessarily getting really strong mm-hmm. but your, your thought is i'll go to the gym get really strong that's how i get big you know and so you know, young kids go and they try to get really strong and they're not getting bigger they don't understand why it, it, so it's like everything's kind of that way what does look big is like you know like mark Wahlberg looks jack mark Wahlberg's 
Brock my size. Price. Yeah. yeah. So, it, but he's he looks amazing. Yeah, and, a, and a, like a Henley shirt where you can kind of see his chest and his abs through the shirt, and he's got veins in his arms, you know. But that's like that's the appearance. That's and uh, yeah, I guess I, I don't really have an answer for it. I guess, but I, I like for me, it seems like at least with working Pete with people, is they kind of get grown to this identity because if they've been training for a while, however they look however long they've been training has taken them that long to get the way they look now. So they put a lot of effort into it. Right. You know, and so to like completely change that is hard because then their brains, I think, almost think like, well, why did I put all that effort in if now I have to right. lose my identity? And I don't think there's any question to the guy who's a mass monster who's 25% body fat, 18%, to 18 to 25. Like that guy needs to lean out. Yeah, there, there's and, and no, that's a, that, that was going to be my second point was, and I think there's like a weird self-delusion I think we all have because yeah. he knows that. He knows he has to lean out, but he like convinces himself that he maybe doesn't. It's like, you know, like weird because because yeah. like, like, like this shirt, you know, my, my, it's tight on my arms. So I can convince myself that I'm, I'm jacked, even though I know if I took it off, it would be like, you know, like, do you even work out, bro? And so like, I think like, it's this weird thing. We, we all know the truth, but it's easier, I think, to just kind of lie to ourselves and right. like, or, or don't think about it too much. Well, my, my, my question was, and I, I, that's a, that's an excellent point it, because not only are you lying to yourself, but you also are leaning into something that you're probably good at. Mm -hmm. yeah. Some most mass monster dudes, most guys who are offensive linemen or, or power lifters that got into bodybuilding were naturally big and yeah. probably had a really good capacity to build muscle. Yeah. Most guys who look like me uh, probably never were, uh, it was really hard for me to get big, but <laughs> I, it when I really follow any level of consistent diet and trained, I look good, you know? So you, you, you want to kind of lean that's, into what I, I like that actually, because that's like, that's another, like the self delusion. Cause you know, like I was the naturally big guy. So it's, it's, e it's, easier for me to do the like lift heavy eat a lot of food you know because that's what my body wants to do anyways you know and so it's almost like it's another thing like letting yourself fall into that trap of deep down somewhere i know i need to lose body fat i know this but this this is what i like to do this is what is easy for me and i get to convince myself that what i'm doing is hard you right. know yeah what's well, really hard is going against what you're good at right and that's my next question is like as someone who really has a, a high level of knowledge in physique changing, what do you do for the guy or gal who oftentimes is neither in, in their mind? You know, you're you're just the, the kind of the skinny fat, the typical skinny mm -hmm. fat. You're 30 and you're tired of the way you look and you look in the mirror and you don't have considerable muscle. You don't know if you can, maybe you should bulk up, mm -hmm. but you're also kind of pudgy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. where, where do you go from there? If you, you're delivered the skinny fat client, what's the best track? Always get lean first. Building muscle is just a slow process. Very, very, because you can do the, the numbers. I think, uh, I think only like 30%, I can't remember the exact num amount, but only 30% of even muscle proteins is, uh, is actual amino acids, you right. know, but even say 100% of it is amino acids. You know, if you gained, uh, you know, like we did this like earlier, if you gain 20 pounds of muscle in a year, that's only 25 grams of new muscle a day, you know? So you, like nothing's happening. So you don't look any different day after day, week after week, even over a year, it, it takes like a full year of really, really, really focused training to build enough muscle to look different. And so right. if you're skinny fat and hate the way you look, waiting a year to look slightly different 
you're not going to be motivated at the end of that year. And probably less motivated because you put in Frust- all the work. Yeah, and that's what everyone be- says. Yeah. So the be- the best path almost always is to get as lean as possible right now. And that's actually the best way to get big at some future date. Because, that rebound. Yeah. 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 So always because the, you can change the way you look much more quickly by dropping body fat. So you could in three months, 12 weeks, you can completely change the way you look. Now you'll be small, but you'll be ripped. You'll be skinny and you won't like that. But then now you're in a position to change that quicker because like you said, the rebound when you're, uh, so to kind of like, uh, well, you know, like there's, there's lower testosterone levels in men mm-hmm. and everyone's like, I can, we, we don't know why. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, but one reason for sure is that we're a higher body fat. Sure. When you get above about, uh, you know, like human men were supposed to be about eight to 12% body fat women. I, 14 to 20% kind of that range. And that's like where we're hormonally optimized to continue reproducing life. So for men, that means our testosterone production is highest. Our rate of aromatization to estrogen is lower. Our insulin sensitivity is higher. So all those things that, that help us grow muscle quicker and maintain a low body fat are best when we have a low body fat. Right. And even worse, when you get above that, uh, when you get above 12% body fat, you're, you're, you produce less testosterone to begin with. And even worse, more of that testosterone gets converted to estrogen. And I've said this story a bunch of times, but everyone had like a fat friend in their 20s who was obviously way past puberty. You know, he's 24, but he's kind of got only like a little beard on his neck, you know, not a full beard, almost no chest hair. You know, it's kind of got like little breasts, you know, like moobs or a man boobs or whatever. And that's because during puberty, he was at a body fat level where he wasn't producing as much testosterone as probably his friends were and more of it was converting to estrogen. And so he's got all these permanent effects from it now. And I, and we really only see that now. And what I mean by that is like, go watch a Scorsese film from the seventies, right? Of course, there's the mafioso guy who's fat, right? Yeah. My, my father's a perfect example. I'm not, uh, Dad, I'm not crapping on you. My dad's obese. My dad's overweight, but and he's a short guy, and he has been since he was probably in his 40s, since he was around my age. But my dad, if he takes his shirt off, is like that classic old man yeah. overweight. <laughs> he's got a big belly, but he's hairy, and he's rock. Yeah, yeah. And uh, because in 1950, my dad was like a beanpole, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and was in the military at 140 pounds. Um, but now you're seeing like a different type of fat, like mm-hmm. where people are made of goo and they yeah, have like almost cellulite. Well, know. they're fat through their through puberty. So yeah. your, your father with the normal puberty probably had sky high testosterone levels like everyone did back then, you know, so you had you know, low estrogen, high testosterone, good insulin sensitivity. And so during all those years where like, you know, like your body structure is formed more or less, is, right. he was hormonally optimized. And then as he got older, he, you know, he got fat, but that, but that's, you know, way past. So like the, the things that testosterone affect while you're developing, you know, facial hair, uh, the, you know, what your like abs, apple, your voice, um, body hair, you know, how, how wide your shoulders are. Cause the really high androgen density in the shoulders, all that stuff was, he he had the right hormones for that, and so he's now he's got that like he's like that classic you know old man strength look yeah, where yeah. you know he's he looks pudgy he's got a beard got hair everywhere but you know he could break your fist if he, if you shook his hand too hard right and 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 like there there was a thing I I should have like a real professional turned me. my phone off I thought that was me um, <laughs> and that was a thing too in in the fact that like one thing that I really worry about is that. I was watching some period piece. I don't know, Peaky Blinders maybe, but something from the early, earlier 20th century. And I got to thinking about how overweight, not even fat, just slightly overweight people in 1920 
were ri- really rich yeah. all over the world. I yeah. mean, the Euro- Western Europe, you had to be royalty to be fat because even if you were slightly below like Ballin, you were working in the in at the stockyard or you yeah. were swinging a hammer or you were, and you didn't have money to stuff your face. Yeah. Now it's kind of the opposite. Yeah. I don't know many people who are in get past 35 that are in peak physical condition that aren't yeah, really yeah, wealthy. It's weird. Yeah. Cause you, yeah, it used to be, and this isn't my say, I think Jordan Peterson said this. So I, I, I hate being like the repeating something with someone else said without it being my own, because I don't know if it's true, but he said in like 1890, the average uh, American lived on $1 per day in today's oh. dollars. Oh my God. Yeah. And so like, if we could, I mean, <laughs> like my, like my grand grandparents, they had, you know, like, uh, like two bedroom house, you know, they lived in the one bedroom, all the other kids were in the other bedroom. They had one car, you know, you lived on a farm, no TV, maybe a radio, you know, it's, you know, the only things you ate were potatoes and meat, you know, when you, when you, when what, you could get it. Yeah. When you butcher one of the cows, you never had fruit, you know, fruit in season, maybe if you live in season where meaning whatever grew in Michigan in the summer, right. You know, not like you were getting pineapple or, or exotic fruits. I no, mean, yeah, I, if probably, you grew up where I grew up, you probably, yeah, you know, yeah, they but, probably had oranges and yeah. Yeah. But like am I, I, Grandpa probably didn't even know a papaya existed. Oh yeah, yeah. you know, uh, and so there's like there's all that. So the only people who had uh, the ability to get fat were people who had a lot of resources. Where now it's like <laughs> you said, it's the opposite. Where now food is so easy to get, relatively cheap. It's and I say relatively cheap because it's food's expensive. We just we we're just all rich. Yeah, well, I mean you know like we complain about inequality and there is and inequality is really bad. But even poor people today are. You know, like we, we're bringing something like two hundred or three hundred thousand people out of poverty every single day in the world. Right. I mean, like incredible re- removal of poverty, better than any time in human history. But because the ultra wealthy are getting so wealthy, you know, it seems like it, it, that's not happening. You know, because the, the poor are, poor are getting so much more wealthy, but the rich are getting just wealthier, you know, way faster. But so now, even our poor people have the resources to get. All, really all the, all, yeah, all yeah. the food. And so now you have to have like the higher level resources to be able to like make, avoid it. Yeah. To make, make healthy food taste good, you know, like, yeah. you know, buy the expensive ingredients, buy the, you know, so it's a really weird scenario. Well, and also you, you made a really good point. It's like you, 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 you have to be a certain level of wealthy to avoid it mm-hmm. unless you're a psychopath. And by that, I mean, like, unless you're kind of like you and me at 19, 20, 22, yeah, because I, the I know that, you know, that you were probably trying to get stage ready mm-hmm. on canned tuna. Dented cans of tuna, the 39 and, cent cans. And <laughs> probably like, like that bulk white rice. Yeah, you the, know what I'm saying? The, yeah. Oh yeah. The burlap sack. Yeah. You get 10 pounds of rice for a couple of bucks. There's always like, like the old, like the old school supermarket that's not like even like a franchise somewhere in town is going to have an aisle with burlap sacks where you could buy like a lifetime supply of rice for $9.99. Literally, you know, like it'll have mold and stuff on it long before you could ever eat it. And it, for, for less than the cost of a single, you know, happy meal. That's uh, my point too, is like it, I don't mean to in any way deter, deter someone who's watching this and they're like, I'm a college student with a, two side jobs. I, I'm, I guess I can't be lean. Mm-hmm. Is that, oh, no, no, no. In fact, most bodybuilders who aren't like the top five oh, on Mr. Yeah, Olympia yeah. are the, struggling to get by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's, uh, it's, yeah, that's, the, uh, it's not easy, but like, that's kind of the whole thing though. Anything that that's worth doing is hard usually, yeah. you know? And so, it, you know, like you could argue like for rich people, it's easier, like especially for ultra wealthy people because they can have a private chef and blah, blah, blah. But they, they, 
in most cases, generated that wealth through something that was very Blinded. difficult, you know? Yeah. yeah. So and that's another thing I hate when people like, you know, like hate, I hate how we have this culture of hating the wealthy now. Cause it's very strange. The stats are really weird too. Cause, uh, was it 90% of millionaires are first generation self-made. So there isn't like this old idea of like the, you know, the Rothschilds or like the monopoly man handing down one gener after generation after generation. Mo only 10% of like ultra wealth comes from that. But even more so, 90% uh, of millionaires are self-created, first generation, and 70% of that those will have lost all their wealth by the third generation after them. Oh. So there is no generational wealth. There's a couple of families. Yeah, no, and I think people do see the Rothschilds or the, even the Trumps yeah. as a perfect example. But lest we forget, Donald was bankrupt in yeah. the mid 90s he, he he hit the skids so yeah people will people I, i'm not a, like a, i'm not especially a donald trump fan but they people will like really word things it's what our media does so badly they'll say like he got a million a million dollar loan and then they'll emphasize and say because he said i got a small million dollar loan like oh god can you imagine thinking that's a small loan yeah well that is i mean really for the scale of things he was trying to do that is small. for commercial real estate yeah. in manhattan exactly <laughs> and that, that's what like people don't understand like yeah. and so like i would always say well like put that reference out against someone else your family doctor how much do you think it cost to buy his practice yeah at least a million. If he's not a, so are you saying if he's a, a, a billionaire in 20 years, he, he's a failed doctor? Yeah. You know, no. it's, it's funny. It, you know, and I, I, I'm the same way. I, I've been very open. I'm not a particularly a fan of uh, President Trump either, but I'm a, I'm objective. Yeah. At least yeah. I can. That's where you I know, really try to be like, like, look at, look at the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you word it that way, a small million dollar loan, that sounds ridiculous. But yes, you can't buy, even in Richland, Michigan, where I live, you can't buy any commercial property for a million dollars. Commercial real estate is brutally expensive. And the people's, people's perception of things and the way they word it and the way they look at it, where you're talking about, they, they, it's, it's very in vogue to hate the rich. Yeah. Right. Which is crazy because we should, like, it's just mind-boggling to me because you, if you watch like old movies, uh, or we we just had a culture of appreciating the successful, you know, mm -hmm. like at rich the rich, rich people were not like look like like weren't hated. They were like, oh, look at how well they've done. I, I, I Athletes, have told this story. People so who were good-looking, people who were in shape, people mm -hmm. who were successful in something, just anything. We just I've like, told this story so many times, and I, I it bears repeating. But I was doing a TV show in new york city and the abc flew me out to do it so they got me a first class ticket i'm 175 pounds i don't particularly i would never spend my money on a first class mm -hmm. ticket because i'm not big enough where i think the 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 juice meets the squeeze <laughs> um but they they flew me first class and i'm like i'll take it yeah, <laughs> yeah if sure. you're paying and i'm sitting in first class and they they board you first mm -hmm. right and i get boarded and the lady's like would you like some champagne sir i was like no i'll have some water i'm fine <laughs> and i'm sitting there and enjoying it and as the rest of the plane boards i literally went like this yeah because yeah. i felt ashamed if someone might see me and, yeah. and i landed at, in new york and that night i did love line with dr drew uh, via like a satellite line and i was telling this story to dr drew and he said that's very hurtful to hear because in 1965 do you think donald Don Draper mm -hmm. was yeah, yeah. in for, and, and no, he's like, what would happen is Don Draper sat there proud of his accomplishments yeah. and a guy walked by with his son and he said, son, one day you work hard. Yep. You could be like that guy instead of a bunch of families going, fuck this guy. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go sit in that our chair. That should be our seat. That should be yeah. our money. Yeah. yeah. It's the, uh, 
Yeah, and, and I think it's a lot of it again goes to what you know, like what you've experienced. People because I grew up poor, you know, like I mean working class. My dad's a pipe fitter, my mom stayed home, and then later on when I got older, she came became a nurse. And they've through pure hard work have been I mean, like, you know, Middle American successful. You know, mm-hmm. my dad eventually uh, get, got moved out of pipe fitting and then went into sales and then eventually did his, started his own company as a salesman. And my mom ended up being uh, like CEO CEO of uh, the the hospital in town. You know, so like about nice. as good as like yeah, good. But I mean, I saw that from you know like when I was really little, we lived in a trailer. So I saw the process for my dad working for GM in the eighties when like it was like every other month he it's was a laid rough off. Gig. Yeah, and my mom didn't work. You know, from that to my mom going back to school. My dad you know getting promoted to middle management and us buying a home with two stories you know and then by then i was i, I was i didn't get to see all the good stuff because then i moved off on my own so but then like after i was not weighing them down anymore <laughs> then you know then they moved to a house on the lake or uh, on the river you know just but you see all that and you see exactly the path it was all work you know hard nothing was nothing given to anyone that's not true because things are given to some people but like that's the Again, that's like the Rothschilds or whatever. That's like a tiny, tiny majority. Almost everyone who's successful has what they have because of like incredibly hard work. I mean, I and risk taking. Yeah, oh, that's, that's another that, thing. Yeah. Is like, like if you're a business owner, it's yeah. not like I mean, tr- tell someone to start a business. You have a passion. Just go through what you have to do to start a business. You know, you bet everything you have, everything, your retirement, your home. You lay it all on the line, and it's like if this fails, we're done. Yeah. But not only that. Because to grow, you always have to spend more spend than more. you make. <laughs> to market so, it. Yeah, yeah. So you have to lay it all over and over and over and, you know, and then finally it pays off and you're successful. And then like for people to think like that you were given that or, you know, it's, 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 it's a weird thought process. Cause I grew up with uh, like, you know, like work hard, you know, like look up to people who are it was like, look up to the people doing well to me it was presented as look up to the people who've worked hard right you know not just like now it's like oh look look at those rich people with the you, the exact same scenario you could say look at those people who really work their butt off and also because i think there was a culture in generations past i certainly grew up in this culture where look at these people who work hard didn't always have money attached to it because mm-hmm. there were landscapers sometimes that would come by and my dad would say go go talk to these guys they They've mm-hmm. been busting their ass, and it matters to them yeah. the job that they do. Yeah. You know, it didn't. It, it, it wasn't necessarily yeah. finance that was attached to the people. Don't respect care about, the game. Yeah, it know? was. That's that's exactly how it was presented to me. It was yeah. never really about. I kind of I had no idea like what a lot of money even was. You know, as a kid, you don't unless someone tells you. So I was never told. I had no idea, but that's how it was presented to me. Like, look at those people. Like, take care in your job, or, or you know, and that's just so lost, which is so weird to me because it's like. That's the vast majority of your life is yeah. spent working. I mean, really, if you work, you know, 40 hours a week, eight hours a day and you sleep eight hours, there's eight hours extra in between. But like four of those are spent driving to work, driving home from work, getting dressed for work, you know, listening to your kid tell yeah. you about filling yeah. the blank. You know? Yeah. So work is your whole life. Yeah. And so like for the people that just do it to get it over with so that they can, you know, do what they want in the week. It's like, that's crazy because that's your whole life. And yeah, if, you know, it's not fun. If it's fun, they wouldn't call it work, but it's your life. Yeah. So why not try to be good at it? Well, and, and it, that same ethic, in my opinion, um, I'd be, I'm interested to get you to your, your take on it too, because I think that that whole, like, I hate that person because they're wealthy thing is the same thing that's leading to everyone. When you put up a picture of someone with a great physique 
and immediately 95% of the comments are trend. Yeah. Uh, well, if I had as much money to if spend I, on I, drugs, yeah, I yeah. would look that way too. And it's like, huh. let's just say the person we're talking about did do all the gear there is. Mm -hmm. It still was eight meals a day that they didn't yeah. want to eat. And the, the PD thing is an interesting one also, because, uh, uh, I think the DEA estimates that 3 million Americans use uh, anabolic steroids. I, I don't know if, what, if they just call it PDs or whatever the grouping is. I don't know if GH would count or whatever, but that uses gear in any given year. What what percentage of that is hormone replacement well, there? Well, well, like just do the numbers though. Yeah. 3 million, there's a little over, there's 330 million or whatever. Like 1%? So one in a hundred, but that's everyone. That's yeah. counting newborns and hundred year old women. So let's say who takes gear, 18 to, you know, 55 year old men, even yeah. that's probably on the high end, you know, but there's like 75 million of those. So one in 25. Yeah. So one in 25 adult men use PEDs in any given year. Do one in 25 men even have a gym membership? So no. if you drew the numbers, yeah. everyone at the gym has tried something. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I mean. So like the ones that look like, so, so if everyone has tried it, why do, why do, doesn't everyone look amazing? That's an amazing breakdown. Yeah. No, you're right. That's because if that was, the <laughs> if that was the only factor, then everyone yeah. at the gym would be ripped. Well, and also I've noticed it and this is, this is more just bro science, but this is anecdotal, but I think it, it matters. I was probably 30 and I went to a wedding and at this wedding, the, one of the, the man getting married was uh, jacked, was a bodybuilder guy. Mm. So there was a bunch of meatheads there and we we're all talking. Right. And seven of these, let's say 10 for easy math, there were 10 of these guys, seven of them were really big, but really fat. <laughs> and three of them were really well put together. And to a T, I'm telling you, this is 100%. I know it sounds like- I think kinda, I know what you're going to say, even. The seven that were big and strong and fat were talking about drugs. Yep. And I'm sitting here over, kind of eavesdropping on these three dudes who are varying ages, diet. talking about food. Yeah. Talking, all they're talking about is food. Yeah. They're not training, they're yeah. not talking about it's drugs. It's funny. I tell, yeah, I've seen, experienced the exact same thing. You go, if I meet a gym bro, a permabalker gym bro, you know, that exact scenario you just said, in the gym, the first thing he's going to ask me is about gear. If I meet a pro bodybuilder or if I'm hanging out with bodybuilders, that's all they talk about. I mean, it's like obsessive. That's, you know, like try, like when we schedule a photo shoot for first attachment, they're, uh, they're all paranoid. You know, is food going to be there? Do we have to bring our own? I'm flying. I don't know. What if it gets picked, you know, confiscated by TSA? <laughs> is there anything placed close? You guys can't. That's all they think about, you yeah. know. And I tell a story like Nick Walker, one of the best bodybuilders in the world, cracked me up because uh, like he must have been his 30th birthday or whatever, some birthday, big birthday. And whoever, whatever supplement company was with threw him like a birthday party. And so they're at a restaurant and there's like this big party at this restaurant and he's in the middle of the off season, not getting ready for a contest or anything. And, and it's his birthday and he walks in with his Tupperware of food. Dang. <laughs> you know? And so like that, and that, that's, that's it. And it's like, it, I, like going back to that culture thing, you can only, uh, you can only be as good as in anything as eugenics allow, you know, you're limited by your mental capacity, your intelligence, your ability to think outside the box, your, you know, like your analytic ability and, and analytical things, you're limited by your athletic ability and athletic things. You're always bound by that. And we all are. And some of our upper bounds are higher than other people's. But regardless, the only thing we can control is our effort. And, and in every case, if you put all your effort in anything, you're going to be like, you're going to be better than almost everyone. You know, like 
everyone except those very few number of people who also gave their all, who also had better genetics than you, right. which is a very small percentage of people. Because one, almost no no one puts all their effort into anything and anymore, ever. Everyone, I mean, I don't want to say like the old man because I've been that same way. I've like, I've found myself doing things and like half-assing it, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, and if, if I'm upset where my, where, where I'm at in that portion of my life, I know why, you know, but almost no one puts all their effort in or anything. And then almost no one has great genetics, you know? So you, like, if you just put all your, all in everything, you're only, you're gonna be better than almost everyone. That's what I always tell the ladies when I'm, when it gets time for fucking, yeah. cause I say, listen, like clearly so, I wasn't yeah, blessed. Yeah. It's a bell curve. It's but a I'm distribution. Gonna put, I'm going to put in all my yeah. effort. I'm going to, you're going to get jackrabbit style. Yeah, I'm a standard deviation. The wrong way is for size, but the right way for effort in a, in the hands of a skilled ninja, Justin Harris, <laughs> yeah. even a small dagger. Yeah. Well, Very you deadly. can't even see it with some ninjas. That's Very a, part of the ninja thing. <laughs> the dishes. You don't even uh, know I was there. <laughs> yeah. You know, talking about the people who are, you know, Nick Walker walking in with his, uh, with his Tupperware. That said, and and I think even you can admit, I know certainly I can admit as someone who's competed, I, I was never aspiring to be Mr. Olympia, but I've been in the world of bodybuilding. It's kind of silly. Very, you know, extremely. You know, posing for people to judge you in trunks yeah, is, is oiled weird. Up and oiled up. Terrible fake tan. if you can do it, if you can be Nick Walker walking in with the Tupperware, it says something about your mind, yeah, that's your what, will. That's what drives me crazy about the sport is if you can step on stage in shape, so you've, like, it, you know, stepping on stage is easy. You just sign up, but step on stage in condition. Be good. <laughs> yeah. You can do any, there's nothing that will be as hard as that. Nothing. I kind of agree. I mean, what, yeah. el what else is it? Like starting a business is scary and risky. And even, but even if you work a hundred hours a week, it's still less effort than two cardio sessions a day, starving yourself on terrible fish, yeah. you know, training with no energy. You know, like, I mean, like no energy. It's a different type of no energy. When you get that low body fat, you don't have any carbohydrates or fats or easy energy source. And to be able to do that and function and still output like a, a, like a difficult physical endeavor at a high, high workload, there's nothing as hard as that. And so it always blows my mind that so few bodybuilders and, and you have to be self-motivated because you're not getting paid. There isn't a boss no. telling you to. So p to be able to be that self-motivated on something that difficult and the fact that so few of them transfer it to, any, to something else after, you know, you have Arnold, obviously, who, like, ever, anyone who steps on stage could maybe not be Arnold because, again, you know, like, the genetic limitations. But I guarantee you the hardest Arnold ever worked at anything he's done in his life was bodybuilding. Yeah. He didn't work that hard at acting. He didn't work that hard at real estate. He didn't work that hard at, uh, at being, you know, at politics, you know. But he was, you know, like excelled at the highest level in all of those. And I guarantee if you ask him what the hardest thing he ever did would be training for the Mr. Olympia. Yeah. So anyone who's like trained has already worked harder than Arnold has to do all the things he succeeded with. Yeah. I, 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 I think it was Phil Daru um, was talking about it. He said uh, the big difference between being a professional fighter or competitive fighter and being a competitive bodybuilder is that you get done with the fight. Mm -hmm. And even though another trained man just beat the piss out of you, you get done and you feel like, okay, you know, I'm, mm. I'm let's go on to the next one. I get a cold shower and a meal and I can, <laughs> you get done bodybuilding at a, at a high enough level. Like you still, it, it destroys you. Yeah. I mean, it's really like a, it, I think Kai Green said it's professional suffering. Yeah. Who can yeah. suffer better? It is. Yeah. And it's so, and it's even like, it's so close to that, that the biggest issue good bodybuilders have is losing, uh, like where the line is. Cause, because to be really good, you have to suffer so much it's hot. Your brain starts to think that the suffering is what you're doing. Right. And so it's, it starts, it's hard to not, you know, like 
well, I have two paths I could go down for this next week. This one, I think, you know, like logically this one would make me a better bodybuilder, but this one would make me suffer more. And people start trying to go that because they just your brain starts thinking it's the suffering. Well, and it's very similar as a drug addict. I, it's kind of the same thing, too, is that you don't no one gets deep into addiction without it being fun at first. Well, that, and that drugs like, work. Yeah. I think was it George Carlin, I think, had a interesting thing on that when he stopped doing it and, and it like it's makes perfect sense because the first time you do drugs it's all good yeah you know like if you do first time you do a line of coke it's like i was here this is i've been here my whole life and now for 20 minutes i'm here this is amazing you I'm know better looking yeah oh and i, I, I got so way many, more charismatic yeah, i got business ideas out the ass <laughs> uh you know and but you know but then it wears off and you get depressed you get that dopamine like you know you lol but and so there's that dip but then you're back to baseline you know and as as but for a long time, it's so much more good than bad. And then they start getting blurred, you know, and then you, like what happened, the worst part is then you're addicted, physically addicted. And heroin, I think, would be the best one to say, because you're physically addicted. You have to have it every so often or you're dope sick and you're terrible. So now it's your baseline is miserable. That's just you're always miserable, you know, and if you take heroin you get back to almost as good as you used to feel with nothing you're yeah. at least alive for a little bit and then it's a slow trend the down. best you can hope for is not miserable yeah 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 and that's yeah. what and so you can imagine when people are like why don't they just stop doing it it's like because like they're in hell for months yeah. you know it's like you can't like why don't you just put your you know like yes this sucks but as a functioning uh drug addict i you know i still have a family you know like i'm still hiding it from people still able to keep a job you know if I stop, I'm going to have to somehow keep all that, all the charade up with no energy, throwing up, you know, you know, and survival mechanism kicking in, yeah. thinking, literally thinking you're going to die. Yeah. And, yeah. and literally dying sometimes yeah. even. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, it's not an easy answer, but. And where do you, because I, I fear, um, especially when women get a certain level of body transformation, right? Where, where do you help? try and draw that line when it's that woman you know like the muscle mom we see on instagram right now who like god all power to you're you're looking in the mirror and you're not happy and you grind and you make that change right mm -hmm. i think so many young men and women in that situation then get into mm -hmm. the bodybuilder territory where it's like you're not even getting a paycheck for yeah. this and you're gonna i see this so many times this is like always my saddest uh client you get like a you know late thirties housewife who's mm -hmm. really unhappy with how she looks just unhappy in general, you know, and, and like even worse, like her husband buys her the, you know, plan as like a gift, you know, right. and like, not like a, like a mean gift, like here, losing weight lady, you know, yeah, it's like, she's it's, trying to help. Yeah, yeah. You know, like she wants it, you know, and he's like, ah, oh, well, you know, I, you know, let's do this. I'll pay for it. You know? So he gives this gift to her and then like she follows the diet and she gets really into it and she loses the weight and she loses all the fat and she's in great shape and she's starting to really like it. And their marriage almost always is better for a long, for a while. It's great. She's got energy. She's happy about life. She's excited about life. Every day is a purpose now. And then, you know, she wants to try a contest. You know, and then so she decides she wants to do a contest, but then she learns about, you know, uh, steroids and then she starts on some of those. And then the progress happens even faster. And she loves that. And he loves it, too, because now her sex drive is through the roof and she looks amazing. You know, and so their marriage is going great. And then she gets really into the sport and wants to do more contests. And now she's getting like now, you know, and then she usually gets like, you know, fake boobs. And now she's getting a ton of attention at the gym, you know, and 
you know, their marriage is still doing good, but her, her husband doesn't give her attention like all these guys do. You know, he acts like she's old news. These guys, yeah. like these 20 year old kids are hitting on her like crazy, you know? And then, and then now pretty soon the kids are like a drag because she's got to do cardio twice a day because she's prepping. And, and it's a so a snowball I've seen happen so many times and they get totally sucked into like the culture and the obsession with, you know, like people getting the attention. And then two years down the road, they've, uh, they've stopped listening to advice on, you know, when they should safely use PEDs and they have, you know, a deep voice. They have, you know, they're starting to grow facial hair, a lot of virilization issues. Don't even uh, get me started with the clitoris. The, yeah. 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 The looks like, a, looks like a croissant. <laughs> yeah. What, the, like, like one a, of those like miniature well, croissants, yeah. gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, like a water weenie. It's a, <laughs> but, but you're right. And then, the and then, ones? and they get divorced. And then she says, you know, like this is, I'm better because she, it's like, not even like I'm a better, it's like this weird delusion you get where it's like, I'm working so hard at stuff. I'm making my life better. We're just at different phases in our life. And you they, couldn't handle me changing yeah. my life. Yeah, exactly. You Perfect. couldn't yeah. handle the new me. Yeah. And it's and, like, well. And they get divorced. And I've seen this so many times. They get divorced. She never sees, the, hardly sees the kids anymore. And then now she's got facial hair. Uh, and it's just a disaster. And I, I, don't, I could, I, and I've certainly, I'm not coaching any of these women or I, even at, at the level where I would consider someone, but I've been around it enough. And where I, and it's it's so sad because like I said, I could I could right now out of all the demos of people who get really into fitness, I picked that one because I knew like those are there's going to be the guys and gals that like at 19 decided I'm going to Olympia. Mm -hmm. OK, I'm going to be then there's those people where it's like they discover what a body transformation can do and it goes too far. Yeah. It, and, and it doesn't have to. A perfect example who's probably calling me right now is uh, Danny Lamartina might win the Chicago Pro for women's physique today. She was first or second. She's a client. And she's has no side effects. Uh, she, they, they plan to have kids. She's happily married. So like that, and that's the really frustrating thing is because you can do, you can be a bodybuilder and do all these things and have it not negatively affect things. Mm -hmm. But it, it's it takes more effort to do that than just if you let things just fall where they fall. It always falls towards the the, the downside. And for men, the there's the same like whatever like Sally or whatever this girl would be. There's a John that does the same thing in a different way. It's a guy who's become really successful. So he did, you know, like it's almost always a businessman, wealthy businessman, you know, hyper successful. And from age 20 to 45, you know, he worked hundred hour weeks, did nothing but work. Right. And now he's got money, you know, he's, you know, incredible investments. His portfolio is outrageous. You know, he just he buy and have anything he wants. And he gets into, he, he meets a bot, he joins a gym and then, uh, he, he meets some bodybuilder and the bodybuilder clings to him as soon as he finds out that this guy's driving. Got money, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, so they make this weird friendship and go to any big gym and you'll find this, this friendship. Yeah. And then that guy gets hyper into it and he starts uh, using, you know, and, but he's, you know, he's 50 and he's lived a hard life where he, he hadn't sleep more than four hours a night for right. years building these businesses. And so he's no, not in the position to start blasting things heavily, but he does. And I've seen heart attacks. I've seen, you know, marriages fail from that. Uh, it, it's it's a weird thing like because uh, it's almost it's a I love the sport, but it's 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 uh, it's it's like drug addiction. It's like it it's hard to toe the line of doing it correctly without falling over into the bad stuff. So let's let's wrap it up with this guys who yeah, certainly guys are competing guys and gals that are at a competitive level. They don't really need to hear this. I please like and subscribe and uh, buy first attachment and check out Tropin and Nutrition, the whole thing. But you, let's be honest, they don't need it because mm. they're going to probably shell out the money to get to that next level if they need to. Mm. But to be 10%, 12%, walk around, look great at the beach, 
they don't need this. Mm-mm. But the guy and gal right now listening that wants desperately wants to make the change. What are the changes from you that need to be made right now? Day one. Don't stop listening to fitness celebrities or any of that. Everything they say is wrong. Most of the time, so wrong. It's not even wrong. It's like a different thing. I don't even know. It's super simple. I eat picket kill it, grow it. If you can't pick it from a tree, grow it in a garden or hunt it for meat, don't eat it. Simple as that. And that's why people in the fifties look the way they did. Cause that's all you had. Yeah. You didn't have rice krispies treats. They didn't have, you know, pop tarts. They had, they had rice. Yeah. They had meat and rice and we even sell meat, rice, repeat, chicken, rice, repeat, steak, rice, repeat shirts. Eat that. Uh, you want, you know, to lose fat, you need to eat less than you burn, but you don't know what your metabolism is. But the good thing is if you eat lean meat, rice and vegetables, you don't have to think about it much because it's almost self-limiting in that you're, you're eating things your body needs yeah. and your body's going to send the same hunger signals and it's going to take much less calories to, to satisfy that hunger se- signal and much more food volume. So typically you'll be able to eat more, your plates will be bigger, your calories will be lower, and you'll be even more satisfied with food if you just let yourself eat. And then join a gym and train hard. Do, you know, 30 minutes of cardiovascular work a day, five days a week, and then do an hour of weight training four days, four of those days. And for like 99% of people, I mean, like like movie actor jacked, you, almost anyone can get to that level with a year or two of that. Yeah. I think that's great advice. And and that's without drugs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Asshole, yeah. judgmental pricks out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, drugs help. There's no yeah. doubt, doubt about it. You know, but but. I, I just hate what, uh, this sport is so weird because there's drugs in every sport. No, obviously not to the level of bodybuilding. And right. that's what, that's what separates it, you know, because there's such a prominent role in it. But no maybe, one. Maybe grappling. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Professional grappling right now is only. <laughs> well, Go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah. And beating Luis Sadas, that's the trick. That's yeah. the hard part then. It's so with the, <laughs> the, uh, the, I won't say, but, uh, <laughs> the, uh, but no one, no one out there would think like, if I just take enough steroids, I could play left tackle for the Cowboys because right, they're no. not, they're not six, eight, they're it's not crazy. 320 yeah. pounds. No one thinks like, you know what? If I could just get enough gear, my this source comes through, I'm going to pitch it in the majors. I can, I can, cause be, they don't throw hundred miles throwing an hour. Heat. I'll be throwing <laughs> yeah. heat. No yeah. one, you, obviously if you throw 97 and you take steroids, maybe you're hitting a hundred, you yeah. know, but you still gotta have the, and like, I don't know what it is for bodybuilding that people just decide genetics don't matter because, because everyone's taking PEDs, yeah. they, they think that that's all it is, but it's not, it's like, it's the same as any other sport and probably even more genetically. So, you know, because like a Ronnie Coleman, he's going to be the best. You, no one can touch that. You know, I'll, and, I'll never forget. He was on, I think he was on Rogan. He said, uh, he you know, know Joe, Joe said like, what if there's someone out there who really wants to look like you? He's like, they can't. Yeah. And he was like, what do you mean? Walk. He's like, no, they can't. I was he's still really jacked. gifted. Yeah. He's done, he can't even walk. He's in what a was, weird. What was this training video? It was one of his training videos where he went back to his mom's house and his mom was cooking for him. And he's like, mom, show him that, you know, cause he's super country. Yeah. He's like, show him that double bicep. And yeah. jokingly, she yeah. goes like at this like, and it looks like my arm. At like 72. Yeah. yeah she did She's that. She's never on, seen a gym yeah. in the backwoods of Louisiana. Yeah. You know? See, that's what I like for me. My genetics was strength. Uh, and it's, it's like that, like some, you know, like, I'm not like, like hyper genetically gifted, but my dad, always used to say that he could bench 300 pounds in high school. And we always like, shut up, dad, you can never worked out a day in your life. Cause he doesn't work out, you know, he's big, but he's big, you know? Yeah. And so when I was in high school, I wanted to show him how strong I was getting, cause I was really into working out. So I took him to the gym. And again, he said, you know, I used to bench 300 pounds in high school. I was like, yeah, I know you didn't. I said, I wanted to show him he couldn't, you know? So I put 225 on. He grabs the bar crooked, like not pinky on the, like one pinky on one ring, 
middle finger on the other. He brings it down to his stomach and he does 10 reps. And I was like, he's like, how much is 300? And I lied and said three plates was, because yeah. it's right 315, but I, I really didn't want him to get it. it. Gets under the same thing, grabs it all wrong, brings it on his stomach, does three reps with it. I was like, what the <laughs> so, yeah, so I can't three rep, 315 yeah, right now. I yeah. can't. So that's insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, I learned because I, I always, because I like strength is what I was gifted at, you yeah. know, like for, and so that's kind of how I built my business was putting, you know, video, because like, I looked like a bodybuilder, but I lifted as heavy as a power lifter. And the videos on YouTube kind of made my name. And, uh, and I almost got a little depressed because when I went back to grad school, I, didn't, I hadn't worked out in years. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't intentional. I just kind of like, I'm kind of an all or nothing guy. If I'm into something, I'm in like, so when I was into math and physics, I forgot bodybuilding even existed. Right. Just wasn't an interest for me. But I went to the rec center one time and I wanted to see you know, like what I could, you know, lift. And I did 315 for four and I hadn't worked out in five years, <laughs> which is, it wasn't cool. But then I was like, I kind of almost got depressed because I was like, man, this whole time I thought I was stronger than everyone because I worked so hard, you know, I right. but it was, it's like, it, it all goes back to like, like you're good, you're good at some things and you're not good at other things. Uh, you know, and you can't pick what you like. Also, if you're lucky enough to like the things you're good at, that's awesome. But yeah, like, but but okay. So you you're being honest, and, and, and but you're also being realistic. If at that point, at that point in your life, what if you got on like a C two rower and did like a 500 meter sprint? <laughs> the, I mean, that would have been oh, but, utterly miserable. Oh, right? I would, if I could even made it, yeah, yeah. no, I've been. Just, so people just, have to like keep it, yeah, or like try to run a 5k, like my wife hasn't ran you know she used to run ran marathons she hasn't like ran seriously in a decade or more i guarantee she could do a half marathon just today like you know like if a friend was like hey you busy you know it's like those uh, like your cab driver in thailand all overweight and like probably six (laughs) years old if push came to shove he's putting out that cigarette and he's gonna fuck you up oh, he's yeah. gonna do teep your face especially off, you if know? he's wearing like a a, a, a hawaiian t-shirt oh yeah Those you're, guys done. Are, you're done or that's like that's so funny have you ever been to the, like the philippines i have so, like go to karaoke bar I've, I've never i'm sorry to be i've never been to the philippines but i've been to kind of the mekong delta okay. there, if you so. go to like a karaoke bar everyone is the greatest singer on earth they go up and there'll be like a some doodle step step up and do a duet of the man and woman and hit both voices perfectly yeah it's remarkable and same with pool like pool halls are huge over there some of those guys playing with like bent sticks and they'll run 10 racks and nine ball in a row it's it's funny how different areas are but uh and also it's 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 kind of like what is culturally important mm, yeah you know i was having this argument the other day with with uh someone who was kind of leaning more into the i don't i don't know how to put this without it sounding terrible because it is he's he was more of kind of pushing the eugenics idea of certain people are genetically better and i go listen do you understand there's never been like a mexican competitor for the country of mexico in any like aquatic sports (laughs) do you think because you're born below the mexican border that you naturally can't swim no it's because culturally every kid wants to be a boxer or a baseball player and and how many fucking awesome boxers and baseball players and daryl strawberry said the same he was on love line i go you know daryl you're from los angeles and it used to be that los angeles was like really a hotbed and really well known and well regarded for being this place for young black guys to become great baseball players. It goes at Joe Morgan, and mm-hmm. Eric Davis and Gerald Strawberry. Yeah. And, um, and he said, yeah, it just changed. It's not, he said, it's nothing to do with anything else. It's just like when I was a kid, it was super cool to blast home runs in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And now everyone's playing basketball yeah. and it's just, 
Well, uh, it's funny. I have a kind of a, a similar story with that. My daughter played travel soccer, and mm-hmm. some of the parents would get so into it. You know, and the kids, the kids don't even know, they didn't even know like who the top soccer players were. They they weren't fans of the sport. You know, just having fun. Well, uh, we uh, like some parents were fighting about something, and I was like, "Chill, th- these girls are ten years old." I said, "None of them are going to play professionally, anyways." There's some kid kicking coconuts in the Dominican Republic who's going to play yeah. in the World Cup, you know. So they changed their name to Coconut Kickers. But that's that's the thing. Like you go down there, that those kids know the history of the sport. They know like Maradona's fist of hand of God or whatever. Yeah. You know, they know who how many goals Messi scored in some game that I don't even know happened. And they wake up thinking about soccer. They play soccer at recess. They play soccer before school after school you know and that's that's all they do and so that you know like if you t- sending your kid to a really expensive private lesson for an hour a week is never going to compare to that they, to the kid they, who, they're just immersed who's in willing it. to play barefoot yeah you know? and yeah. with rocks yeah, yeah. Or deflated soccer balls or they wrap like duct tape around deflated soccer balls to give it some stiffness i mean like yeah they're, they're, that's all they do they're that's whole, why this shit had always choked me because like I could be buff, I can train, but he's he's obsessive about it and choking me. Next thing you know, you know what I'm saying, Justin. Um, honestly, it was a real pleasure talking to you, man. Yeah, it, it was flew by. Yeah, thank you, dude. Um, firstattachment.com, also tropinandnutrition.com if you want information about Justin uh, Justin's coaching uh, availability, also uh, any type of um, online training programs. I highly recommend the the myofibril train the my is myoplasmic, myoplasmic growth. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it is. A very well detailed blend of Thank kind you. of like the sarcoplasmic stuff you need, mm-hmm. and you know uni joint stuff, but also the bread and butter. Yeah, you know, we gotta get yeah, nasty. I kind of uh, ruin it with that because I that's the best program I've ever written, and so like people want me to write new programs, but I feel like like why I know it's and then it goes back to the Ronnie Coleman. Like I, part of me wants to write new ones because I know they'll sell, but I also know they won't be as good. And it's like something works, it works. Um, is there anything else you'd like to promote before we wrap things up? Uh, with teamtroponin.com also, which is a separate business, but it's a fully education site. It's much cheaper monthly subscription with a couple hundred hours of video footage, hundreds of articles. Uh, but that's about it. If you, if you've made the choice and you've made, put in the hard work and now you want to step it up and you, you know, if you've, if you've gotten to 13, 14% as a guy and for, you know, 20% as a woman, and you want to take that next step really invest the money in this because that's you're going to start to understand things like carb cycling things like you know block you know programming in, in yeah, periodization programming and periodization and variability and that's what you need when you get to that level but yep. if you haven't gotten to that level it really is a different you don't have to work with me but it really is like probably the best money you can spend spending mm-hmm. you know three to six months with a with a good nutritionist good bodybuilding coach because they'll like I wasted eight years figuring things out, you know, like in six months you can have it all laid out for you. And even like ha- there's quite a few top coaches now who used to be clients of mine. So even the most of the coaches, that's where they started their path to knowledge. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you very much. Uh, and in this crazy mixed up world. Oh, first, thank you, Giorgio. Thank you, Kevin, for making this possible, for getting the studio. Hopefully this becomes uh, a more frequent thing. And in this crazy mixed up world that makes you think that nobody cares. Remember, I do be good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Our house is a mess. Come on. 
Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini-fridge. It's a mini-fridge. It's a mini-fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.